0: From hook and bullet to policy and science, we're here to discuss and dissect all matters of importance to Montana's rugged landscape and the people and wildlife that call it home. This is Montana Untamed. It's like school for elk hunting. and the classroom is the Snowcrest Mountains. The bonus is, it all happens on a backpacking expedition I'm referring to a new course offered by Montana Wilderness School called Backpacking Skills for Aspiring Hunters. The Bozeman-based school has been taking students on expeditions for 10 years with a mission of providing, quote, empowering expeditionary wilderness courses to youth that foster personal growth and cultivate a conservation ethic through connecting with remote landscapes and wild places. For the last couple of years, they've offered this course, it takes a fundamental approach to backpacking skills, but adds the technical skills needed for pursuing big game in the backcountry. With me today is Ryan Peters. He is the wilderness program manager for Montana Wilderness School. First, Ryan, can you quickly introduce yourself and uh, tell me how you became an instructor?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name is Ryan Peters. Um, I've been in, MWS, in the MWS world for about five years now. Um, I came in with not a lot of professional background, but uh, about a decade of personal um, canoe backcountry experience. And so that's how I was able to finesse my way in onto the instructor team. And um, yeah, over the last couple of years have um, taking on more program leadership at the school, so I'm the program manager at the school now, which is really just a glorified phone holder. So, um, i comes in and comes in and supports the launches, the landings, and um, evacuations, and anything instructor
0: teams need. Right, right. Um, and can can you give me kind of a kind of a layman's introduction to uh, Montana Wilderness School?
1: Absolutely. So it's coming up on its tenth year. Um, the the way I like to describe it although it's a bit of a short sell, is if folks are more familiar with programs like Outward Bound or Knolls, um, outdoor education and leadership programming, or basically a Bozeman-sized Montana-centric version. So it was started about 10 years ago with an intention to provide opportunities to get outside to Montana youth that couldn't otherwise afford it or experience some other barrier. Um, Hmm. Now at the school, we're a little bit more blended, so we offer you know, we've, we've always opened the experience to kids from across the country and even in some cases internationally, um, over the last 10 years, but, um, we're still around about 60% scholarship support and 40% tuition. Um,
0: cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so let's, let's jump into the program that we're here to chat about specifically. Um, the, uh, the backpacking skills for aspiring hunters is what it goes by yeah. um and can you will we'll, can you give me a broad overview of what the course offers and what its objectives are and and i plan to go deeper into you know those specific objectives and learning outcomes later so kind of just a an introduction to what the course is and sure, what Sure absolutely seeks to do. and it looks
1: Tom how's my connection with you
0: Um, it just broke up a little bit, but you're back now.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. I I heard most of what you said, an introduction to the course.
0: Yeah. Could you, um, the course being, you know, backpacking skills for aspiring hunters, can you do give us a brief intro on what that course is and what it seeks to accomplish with these students? And we'll go deeper into those specific learning outcomes later.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the the name is kind of a mouthful of backpacking skills for aspiring hunters. Um, basically we, we can't really use hunting language, active hunting language in the name. So it has to be this like aspiring hunter's lingo. But effectively it's a it's a learn to elk right. hunt learn to elk hunt course. So um, the way that we market it is toward two types of students. One, students who are interested in in learning backcountry elk and deer hunting skills. And two folks interested in wildlife photography, just to sort of like broaden our our horizons there and bring more students to the <laughs> table. Um, there's no active weapon use on course. It's really just an opportunity to to mock hunt some game, um, just to stay within all the regulations we need to. But um, the course was born out of um, sort of sort of two things. It aligned with a lot of what we do in that uh, the area we had in mind. T- for a course area was very remote and had lots of off-trail travel. So it would appeal to students who were hoping to learn a lot of navigation skills. Um, and then also it added this new technical emphasis that feels very Montana, which is this idea of backcountry hunting, um, which is something that we hadn't offered and we weren't really aware of any other program offering something um, this, I guess, this extensive or this like backcountry focused. Um, certainly there's youth hunter's ed and things like that, but we wanted to provide a more like tangible hands-on experience with all the backcountry camping and elk finding skills that students would need. Um, mm-hmm. So it's grown a little bit over the years. Um, it's always been a 10-day course. It's always been in the same, um, same course area. It's in the Snowcrest Mountain Range, um, which is a popular elk summering refuge for the the larger gravelly elk herd. Um, and so over these four or five years between, um, running the course out there and then also hunting there personally in the fall, we've sort of been able to pattern these elk and provide reliable, um, experiences for these students to find them and interact with them. So the basis of the course is really all about what elk need and how that determines where they are. Obviously those are different needs and locations in the summer than the fall, but it helps them at least start thinking critically about planning their own elk hunts. Um, so right. we do, a, we do a lot of mapping and navigation, and then we move into sort of strategies for elk hunting in the fall and how there's sort of different phases of the elk season and how their needs shift over time. And then the last components are talking with those elk. So learning some, uh, some elk calls, primarily diaphragm calls, and then talking about the difference um, or different considerations for being around grizzly bears while hunting mm-hmm. as compared to being in a social group backpacking. Um, so yeah, those are sort of like the four pillars of the course.
0: Right. Right. Um, and you know, I looked through a lot of the course offerings from Montana water to the school and you know, this one stands out as it, it seems to be, um, kind of the only one that, uh, is using all of these backcountry and outdoor skills that are offered in these other programs, but it's adding this kind of consumptive use element to it. Um, can you talk about, and you kind of answered this question a little bit in the back, so maybe I'll give you another opportunity to lay it out there for us. Can you talk about where the motivation came from to offer a course that also has hunting skills associated with it? Did you guys see a need? Was there interest from students? Was there interest from, you know, your administrators that, you know, this is this is something, this is a skill that people are interested in? Where did that motivation come for adding that kind of consumptive use recreation to, you know, the greater recreational education that you guys are providing?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll I'll try to answer it. Um, I think the course was born more from a personal passion from one of our founders, um, who's no longer with us, but Guard Duke um, and Josh Olson are the founders of the program. So um, he was the executive director of the school and and is still a a big donor of the school. And he loves hunting and really wanted and loves Montana and really wanted to provide an on-ramp and a pathway for students who didn't have a familial connection to hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think one thing we've realized and a common misconception is that students in Montana, right, will be exposed to these backcountry things through their families. So we have these wild rivers, we have these wild mountains, and it's such a product of like socioeconomic status and many other variables that it's true for a lot of students that they were born here, raised here, and don't have exposure to these things through a family pathway. So like for me, for example, my dad taught me to hunt and my grandfather, and I have this like deep and rich connection, but we wanted to be able to offer, especially Montana students, a different pathway in, which looks like a formal course, um, if they didn't have a, a great mentor in the space. So I think that's what it was born from. Um, And also there's just such a rich hunting heritage in Montana. Um, So we wanted to be able
0: to provide a formal space to talk about. it. Right. Right. So you just wrapped up this year's expedition um, in the snowcrest range. I didn't know if you guys out the location there, so I didn't want to mention it until you mentioned it. But since you let the cat out of the bag, um, I'll run with it. So you just wrapped up this year's expedition. I think you had 10 students. Um, Tell me how, how did it go?
1: Yeah, it went well. Um, and as far as revealing the course area, I think it's an extremely popular hunting area. It's a general tag unit. So, um, comfortable with that. I will uh, I'll stray away from the specifics and the, and the coordinates. Um, right. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to find elk out there, which is why we choose it at right. least in the summer, um, a little different in the fall. Um, yeah, it went well. This was our fourth time, as I mentioned, running this course. Um, so we had a little bit more info. We build on that each year about where these elk are and we had a group of particularly motivated students out there who some from the state of Montana and some from outside who really wanted to talk about elk. Um, So it it went super well. We were out there for um, nine total field days of a 10 day course. um, And we spent more time than I have previously uh, really working elk and looking for elk and mock hunting elk. So it was sort of like a a realization of a, a four or five year dream for me to be, you know, um, calling in cows and bulls and having these 20, 30, 40 yard interactions with elk a couple of times across the course. So, um, that feels like the big highlight to mention.
0: Hmm. And,
1: uh, weather was good for you guys. Weather was immaculate. We had about 10 minutes of rain
0: in, the, in a week and a half. So it was, it was lovely. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what i'm curious how does or you know i'll hold on to that we'll jump into that later um so the program has these five categories of learning outcomes as advertised on your guys's website teamwork and communication yeah. skills safety and wilderness-based decision making conservation ethic backcountry camping and cooking skills and technical skills I'd like to touch on all five and if you could give me a roadmap um, from each on what students are expected to learn and then how you go about hmm. actually instructing, you know, those skills in the field.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you want me to just take off on on the
0: first? Yeah, Is sure. Let's just start at the top. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so the first on there and maybe I'll just pull this up so that I don't stray. Um, yeah, totally the first on there that you mentioned, I believe Tom was, was teamwork. Um, does that sound right? Yep. From what you're reading. Yeah. So um, we, you know, the, I guess the right way to frame this is that the technical discipline that our expedition offers varies across our programming, but the other four are part of sort of our standard issue of curriculum. So we want any student that attends the school to be able to work within a work within a team, discuss and interact with issues around conservation, um, learn these core backcountry competencies. So whether it's a paddling trip or a trip over land or a trip horse packing or learning to hunt, we aim to deliver each of those things. Um, As far as the teamwork component, I think uh, it is perhaps the most important piece of what we offer. Um, We bring together, Groups of diverse youth, youth from different backgrounds, and I think the most valuable thing we teach them, um, far and away above these like, you know, quote unquote hard backcountry skills, is how to work across differences. And I think the the backcountry context and being out there between two weeks and a month um, is kind of a pressure cooker, and so conflict is inevitable. It happens no matter how long students are are out there together, and So what we want to do is provide them all these tools and lesson plans for how to work together. So we go through things like conflict resolution. We go through how to give people feedback in a way that's graceful. We talk about individual leadership styles and things like that. And we lay out all these tools. And then and only then do we expect them to pick them up and use them to build community. So we do a lot of very intentional community work in the beginning. We have them um, sort of write up their own community contract and talk about Things that they want to be a part of this community and things that they don't, and then they all sign it and agree to it, right, and are held to that and hold each other to it. Um, so it's just a, yeah, it feels rambling a bit here, but it, it, we create these really unique little little groups of of young adults. Um, that's kind of a great analog for what they're about to encounter in the real world, hmm. um, and that and that's before we even think about you know any of the backcountry skills. So that's something we're passionate about delivering.
0: Right. Right. Um, okay, and safety, safety and wilderness-based decision-making.
1: Yeah. Similarly, um, another core tenant of what we want is to provide these students with uh, great decision-making skills in the backcountry. Um, I think some of that's translatable to the rest of their lives, but basically we wanna be great role models and coaches for them about what it looks like to make great decisions for yourself when you're far from a trailhead. And then toward the back end of the trip, similar to this emphasis on community, we try to turn some of that ownership of their own self and group management over to them. So we let them make a lot of decisions, obviously with us there as a sounding board. Um, if they're about to walk over terrain, that's not appropriate or something like that. Um, we want them to leave an MWS expedition feeling much more confident in what it takes to have great risk management margins, um, on their own and personal and hopeful future adventures. So, um, that one varies. Sometimes we get students who come in with a lot of backcountry experience. And so the idea of like carrying a med kit, carrying maps, making travel plans, things like that is not novel. And other times it is. Other times mm-hmm. there's groups where there's very little experience in the backcountry. And being 100 yards from the trailhead is, is as big a deal as, you know, 10 miles for some other students. Um, Mm -hmm. so we want to just meet them where they're at and give them a baseline for their own and future adventures because we think time outside is so, is so powerful, especially
0: in, in Montana. Right. Right. And, you know, conservation ethic, that seems like a huge, when you're talking about, you know, wildlife and, um, wildlife and hunting and, and being in wild places, you know, conservation ethic has to be a big part of the conversation, Right.
1: It is for sure. Um, it's definitely one of our core pieces of curriculum at the school. Um, Montana provides a really interesting topic sort of a conversation in that we have such such a rich pool of natural resources. If you think of you know Yellowstone National Park, Glacier, the just the sheer amount of public land and wild space we have, um, we have an opportunity to bring students together from lots of different communities. So maybe that looks like some ranch and ag, right? Some students from suburban Bozeman or whatever it might be Billings. Some students from outside of the state, and then we get to use that group um, to talk about some some basically stakeholder issues in the state. So, for example, when we talk about wolves, there's a variety of perspectives on wolves, right? And their value. Um, we can share some objective things with students like what their numbers are, but we can also have really rich discussions where we ask them to take different positions on wolves and like, say they're a student from a more urbanized environment in or out of state, we can ask them to put themselves in their shoes of a, a ranch or an ag family and think about how they would feel about wolves and what what would be risked having wolves on their property and things like that. So um, we aim to share objective information in the conservation scope and also to get students to, to take another perspective and think critically. Um, and that often challenges the values they were raised with too. So it provides some, some really interesting and rich conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. And, uh, backcountry camping and cooking.
1: Yes. Uh, simple, but extremely valuable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of these students, if we, if we all reflect to when we were in late middle school, early high school, right? Uh, We may not have had the most robust cooking skills, and it's something everybody's going to need to learn. Obviously, that looks a little different on a camping stove than it does in your kitchen. Um, But I think some of the biggest feedback we get from parents of students who attend our program, which is true for other outdoor ed programs as well, is just that piece of self-reliance of being able to like chop vegetables, create simple meals um, is a big deal. So we want our students to eat well out there. We take a lot of time to To kind of find a balance between bringing excellent food and like a nutritionally balanced array of foods and also you know keeping it light enough to make the experience reasonable um so who knows if they go home and they cook ramen for their families but um they certainly grow a lot over between 10 and 21 days um in terms of how they're able to do that in the field so it's it's really fun to watch and fun to coach so are you guys
0: Are you guys doing some cooking in the backcountry or is it primarily uh freeze-dried meals it's it's actually no freeze-dried meals so we'll carry some dehydrated
1: ingredients just for weight but all of their meals are like composed from scratch they're simple right so lots of them are you know like a like a carb base a rice or a quinoa or a couscous or something like that uh, or lentils um or maybe a pasta or something like that Um, and then we carry real usually locally sourced vegetables depending on availability um we carry some some proteins of various kinds both vegetable and meat um so yeah they actually do learn to like craft their own meals and create sauces from scratch and um i mean it goes all the way to like making your own pad thai or something like that in the field well wow. which is, which is fun we don't start with that on day one day one is probably <laughs> a probably a fettuccine with an alfredo sauce or some rice and some beans but. Uh, we spent, we spend the first few days of the expedition cooking together typically. And so we'll, we'll tell them which ingredients to get out, how to use them well, how to use the stove well. And then we really release the rain and let them be creative, which has Mm -hmm. varying
0: results. (laughs) Right. Right. But you know, sometimes when you're, you know, seven, eight days in a back, back backcountry trip, you'll pretty much eat anything I would imagine. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Yep. So that
0: they're pleasantly surprised with what they make. So this last kind of tenant of the program, the technical skills, it seems to me, this is kind of where all of those hunting, hunting and tracking skills kind of um, fall under. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so for, for any of our technical disciplines, this one being learning to hunt elk, we try to kind of work backward and think about what we want students in our program to learn and how to help them do that. And we'll right. build out a, a, a lesson progression that fits that. So for, for elk, the, the biggest picture, the 10,000 foot view, is we want them to know what they need to find them and to hunt them and to provide um, to harvest them and provide meat to themselves and their families, if that's of interest. Um, so then we just sort of walk that back and think about each piece of the puzzle they would probably need to execute their own elk hunt themselves or with, with friends and family. Um, and for this one in particular, pretty hard to cover that in 10 days. But for many of those days, we have a chance to interact with elk. So it's a very, um, feedback heavy course. Um, if they come to a map and come up with a plan of where they might find elk and they find them, they just got great feedback that they're thinking about it the right way, for example. So lots, lots to tackle in a week and a half, but it's, it's a good place to try to do it.
0: Right. I mean, you're talking about skills that it takes some people a lifetime to achieve. Um, absolutely so can you can you maybe paint us a picture of what a day uh, on one of these expeditions is like you know from the time you set your alarms in your tent um, to the time you go back to the tent for um, you know sack out sure of course Um, I'll I'll, maybe I'll start
1: with the night before since that's when we sort of talk about the day that's coming Um, we have we have nightly sort of community meetings that are short or long depending on what's going on but we always make make space and time to um, talk about what each student needs and what the group of students need and then for instructors to talk with them about what the next day looks like Um, on this course there was some flexibility for students to decide where they wanted to go and how long they wanted to take to do it so they were kind of driving the ship on travel a little bit with some help from us but basically we'll wake up in the morning um we'll mirror that evening meeting with a morning meeting and we'll just kind of like wake up, rub our eyes. Um, instructors usually have a cup or two of coffee in hand and then uh, students will, will roll away right into breakfast with um, cook groups of two or three other students. Um, and they have tent groups with two or three other students as well. And uh, basically we'll take some time, we'll give them a time goal, have some breakfast. And then on this course, typically it looked like moving between two and four miles and then um, setting up camp at a new location and tackling some part of this technical curriculum. So teaching an elk lesson um, or maybe teaching some leadership curriculum. Um, so so yeah, it just depends on the MWS course, but for this one, it's a pretty steep and off trail range. So we would spend maybe five hours traveling per day, even though we only went two to three miles mm-hmm. um, and then sort of recollect, set camp again, um, They would get a lot of ownership over that and where they wanted their tents to go and where they wanted their kitchen and the electric bear fence and things like that um and then we would often go on evening hunts for elk as they came out to feed um mock hunts i should i should make that very clear no weapons um right so so frequently that's what it looked like for us and then maybe some evening curriculum and a chance to meet again and talk about the next day
0: i'd like to know more about this mock hunt and how that You know how that works and how i'm sure that gets the students pretty pretty jazzed
1: yeah sure um by mock hunt what i mean is just trying to get as close as possible to elk without them discovering that we're there so we spent a good deal of time talking about strategies to find elk and also talking about uh, what senses elk lean on and then trying to leverage that knowledge to get really close Um, so in, in one circumstance on the seventh day of this course, we were able to spot, um, it was actually kind of a surprising day in that we didn't see very many elk in a large basin. So they were in the timber or not in that basin, but we eventually worked together and we found a group of three cows and decided who wanted to trek the two miles to go try to get close. We brought out maps and wind checkers and talked about a plan for the approach and we drew it out on a map and then we tried it. And so these students led us to a ridge behind the cows. We had them working with Onyx 2 on a student phone so they could at least drop a guess of a pin. Um, mm-hmm. And they ended up they ended up dropping that pin within six feet of where the cows were. So their plan worked very well. Um, and they were able to, to sneak up and get to 400 yards and be downwind and then close that and come up with a strategy to get to 200 yards and be downwind. And then these elk sort of naturally stood up and started feeding and just happened to feed toward us kind of like betraying all the rules of how this usually goes and so we ended up in a a high alpine basin you know 9,500 feet in the middle of a meadow um, with several elk feeding around us and then a bull coming into the scene and um, just some like really unique opportunities for them Um, and they got to see these elk eventually get a little wary of five bodies laying in a, a high field and then we got to talk about what we thought the elk would typically do if it were a hunting scenario, and what they came up with was, well, they're probably trying to get our wind. Um, and so everything just sort of went to plan. Those elk got curious, got a little nervous, um, made some nervous vocalizations, circled downwind right where the students guessed they would, and the it all—it was just a really nice analog for what it's like to to get in close and try to harvest an elk.
0: What sort of feedback did you hear from the students after that experience?
1: Only about half the students were on that one, several of them um, elected to stay at camp after a hard travel day. But those that were part of that one um, were very much like, it was an aha moment for them. They were like, for one of them in particular, coming from Chicago, um, had never seen an elk in his life. So to go from that, you know, never carrying a backpack, never leaving home to laying 33 yards from, from a bull in velvet that didn't know you were there, I think was, pretty mind expanding for him. It really made this idea of like coming to the West and trying to do this really tangible, like I knew nothing four days ago, perhaps, or only what I'd seen on YouTube or read about, um, to wow. I just created a travel plan, played the wind and got close and it worked, um, and spent hours in and amongst these animals. So that was, it was very cool. It was affirming for me. It was like a five-year dream to, to have it work that well. We've had iterations of that happen in the past, but not quite this to the playbook.
0: Well, and that kind of, that kind of lends itself to my next question. I guess I'm wondering from your, you know, you hunt and, you know, you spend time in these places. What have you learned from taking these students into the back country? Mm. Uh, you know, what have you learned about your experiences with them that have kind of informed your experiences going forward in the backcountry? Yeah. Um,
1: that's a great question. I think in the hunting context, um, that we're talking about, really any technical context, the more you teach it, the better you learn it. So for me, I think I have a much clearer idea of, um, and I, and I'm a new elk hunter. I've only been doing it for, for five or six years with eating a lot of tags, right. But having a lot of great experiences, um, Mm -hmm. it's really solidified to me what matters in terms of like how you approach elk and approach a hunt. Um, I think teaching it to teens really helps like distill it and boil it down. Um, and so that's been super helpful in my own pursuits, just trying to come up with, um, you know, uh, what am I, what am I stammering for? Trying to come up with like quick tips, tricks and ru- and quote unquote rules for these students has helped me be sharper in my own hunting too and, right. and really nail, nail the basics.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you, any comments for, for, um, parents or students, um, that, you know, are seeking to enroll in, uh, these programs next year or in the future?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to comment broadly or more about this hunting course, Tom?
0: I would say, I would say specifically this hunting course. Sure. Um,
1: as far as this specific course, um, a couple of things to know. And and who knows, this could change in the future. But up until now, this course has been supported by Sitka Gear um, through their ecosystem grant, which is amazing. So they support us not only fiscally with the operation and tuition costs to run the course, but also with gear for each student. Mm -hmm. So they all get to go out there and awesome Sitka sub-outline camo. Um, And so we really hope to keep that relationship moving forward and are super grateful for it, especially it being a local org. Um, The other thing I would mention is that I I think as far as I'm aware, what we do is, is, is perfectly unique. I don't, I'm not aware and I've looked, um, but I could be wrong of any other program that requires no prior experience, puts groups of young students together who want to learn to hunt, um, and then takes them out to interact with, with elk in a, in a non hunting context in this mock context. Um, I think it's a, yeah, it's a really unique opportunity and it rolls a lot into 10 days. Um, it's not cheap, but there are scholarships available. Just our operations costs are high um, for something like what we do. But um, yeah, we're really grateful to have that support from Sitka. And it's, it's one of the only courses that because of that support, we've been able to offer pretty large scholarships to students, even sometimes from out of state, which is not mm-hmm. normally not normally something we do. So who knows if that relationship continues? I sure hope it does. It's been amazing um right. and they've, they've sent out their own athletes and videographers and things in the past and that looks different year to year but um it seems like it has some great momentum
0: right so any final thoughts on the program or anything i failed to ask you that i th- that you think uh people should know
1: i think you i think you tackled a lot from all the way top down tom from like what our goals are at the program to the specific course um i would just reiterate that we welcome anybody to our programming. And um, one of the things that we're most proud of is that we've never turned a student away for financial need. So uh, if this sounds like an interesting experience, whether it be this hunting 10 days or maybe a pack rafting trip or learning to horse pack or going backpacking in Yellowstone, um, these are all things we typically offer year to year. Um, please reach out. I think we we really don't want to leave anybody behind from an experience like this, which is why we exist. Um, and, and yeah, well we love we love what we do. It's really fun. We could we could work for, we could be bankers, right? And we, we parts of our life might be a little bit more well set up than than they are here, but we adore what we do, and um, I certainly do. And there's, you know, reflecting back to that moment of, yeah, laying with students and being surrounded by elk, it's it's pretty clear that the work matters and that the ex- experience is valuable to students. Mm. So um, yeah, it's a really special opportunity to be, able, to be able to do this work and work with all these students.
0: Awesome. Well, I mean, I think that's all I've got for you. I think awesome. that that's everything. That's everything I needed. All my cool. questions got answered. Cool. Montana Untamed is a podcast from the newsrooms of Lee Enterprises, Montana newspapers. Visit any of our websites or subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.